Hello, and welcome to Monumental, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, leaders, visionaries, and big thinkers making monumental change. Here's your host, Evan Holliday. Welcome to Monumental. I'm your host, Evan Holliday, and today on the show, we have with us a good friend of mine, Josh Rusin. Josh, how you doing, man? Evan, doing well, man. Very excited about this. Uh, it's been a long time coming and excited to add some value to your audience through my story. Yes. So a little background, guys. Uh, before we get started, Josh and I have I've known each other, I guess, coming up on a year, uh, at least in person. And uh, Josh is just a phenomenal person, phenomenal human, amazing energy. Uh, I'm excited to get into today's episode a little bit about Josh before we get started. Uh, he really got turned on to real estate. After turning his first home, he purchased into a rental after moving cross country and really seeing the power of cash flowing assets. Uh, and then he joined with one of the nation's largest real estate investing education companies where he became passionate about helping others while furthering his own investing career. After realizing the power of multifamily, he joined the Jake and Gino team where he is today to grow his portfolio in multifamily investing while expanding their Jake and Gino community. And Josh currently owns 328 units so with that, let's just dive right in and go into a little bit of your story and how you got to where you are today, Josh. All right, Evan. So that's a good 500,000 foot overview. Let's kind of get in the weeds and the details. Let's do so it. My journey into entrepreneurship started like many with the book of Rich Dad Poor Dad. I was in eighth grade. I have an aunt who is in real estate, was doing well, gave me that book. And truthfully at that age, I wasn't at a point where I was really receptive to the message, but it definitely planted a seed. So I go to high school and I get really into working out and biology and I just decided that I wanted to be a doctor, a physician. That was a career path that aligned with health and, and wellness and biology and science. And those are things I liked and was passionate about. So you fast forward, I go to college. I have a, a pre-professional biology degree and a chemistry minor. Now, year before my senior year, I'm studying to take the MCAT. I'm working for an orthopedic surgeon. As you know, going to med school, you need experience in, in the field. Yeah. And the, the guy comes home one day and he's like, hey, Josh, you know, you're crazy. I wouldn't let my kids do it. What are you doing? I'm just so confused, Evan. Huh. It's, you know, this doctor who in my realm was one of the more successful people I knew was telling me not to do this. And so he continues on. He's like, listen, you know, in the 90s, I used to make seven figures a year. You know, now I'm lucky if I make half that. And I'm like, wait, this guy is complaining about making a half million dollars a year. I grew up incredibly middle class, like nice rich people problems, right? Well, little did I know he carries on. He's like, look, I predict by the time you graduate med school, physician reimbursements will be between one and $200,000 a year. And he's like, add that on top to the fact that you're going to continue to take out debt. You have debt from undergrad, you're going to take on debt during medical school, and then you're going to incur interest all throughout residency and fellowship. He's like, it's very realistic and very possible that you're going to come out a half million dollars in debt, making yeah. low six figures. And he's like, you're going to live in a one bedroom apartment for a decade just to get out from under that debt. So Evan, as you can imagine, that scared the living shit out of me to be, you know, you picture yeah. imagine you graduate at 30 from fellowship and you're a practicing physician and then you got to buckle down and save every penny just to pay that debt off and finally be 40 and you can start living life. And that scared me out of that career path. So at the time then, <laughs> you know, I was like, what do I yeah. do? Right. So, so he, oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, it sounds like you and I had a, had a similar path at the very beginning. I was pre-med too. I was gung-ho. It was actually orthopedic surgery and anesthesiology. I was gung-ho about it. And then for me, it was a little earlier, like sophomore year. I was like, I just don't like these classes. But yeah, I, I, can, I can see that's great that you had somebody that kind of opened up your eyes and, and kind of showed you the bigger picture. Yeah. And that's where it helps to have someone who's in the space and doing it because they can give you an accurate yeah. representation of what it's really like, right? Rather than just guessing or being, you know, not, not educated, not even yeah. knowing. Uh, so at that point, I, I was like, all right, what do I do? And I, I took a hard look and I, and I started looking what I could do with a biology degree. And, and a lot of the career options, uh, they're entry level 15, 18 bucks an hour. And I'm like, whoa, can't do this. So I went back to the doctor, spoke with him. And he was like, listen, go into business and make more money, you know, from my investments than I do from being a doctor. And so I had very limited reserves. Obviously, I graduated, went home, and I started thinking, you know, what can I do that I can put in the sweat equity with very little capital? And I started looking to things that I'm passionate about. I explored the idea of, hey, do I open up a car detailing place? Do I open up a home healthcare company? You know, what could I do that I could scale and that I could build something out that I'm good at? Well, I ended up settling on home healthcare and I attempted to open a home healthcare company. So I would go to Starbucks and Panera every day for six months. And at the end of the six months, I had a website, I had business cards, I had brochures, I had an LLC. Uh, I even had a Google voice phone line, but six months in my parents came to me and they're like, Josh, what are you doing? This whole thing's a pipe dream. You got to get a job or we're going to kick you out. Cause I, I hadn't generated a penny in revenue. You know, and at that time, I learned a real lesson there. I learned the difference between activity and accomplishment. And I had no idea about doing the right steps in the right yeah. order to get results. I was just trying to do anything I could that I thought would move the needle. And that was a big learning lesson in my life. And so with that, you know, I, I was suddenly forced under new circumstances, right? My parents were saying, look, you got to get a job. Or we're going to kick you out. And I was not in the best position. I had less than $1,000 in my name. And I had a car that had like a quarter of a million miles on it. So I was like very low on resources. This is no joke. And yeah. so at that point, it was around Thanksgiving. Um, and we went to my aunt's house, the one who gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, she, again, one of the more successful people I had known in my, in my family. And so we're at her house, you know, beautiful house, you know, paid off cars, paying for a kid's college, things like that. And she's kind of like, Josh, you know, if you, would you consider real estate? And I'm like, you know, it sounds like a good thing, but if I come to my parents with another entrepreneurial pursuit, they're going to tell me to go live in my car. Like, are you going to put me up? Yeah. And just not something she was willing to do. So at that point, I still hadn't given up on real estate. And that's when I actually found that real estate investing education company that we were talking about. And I found them, they encouraged entrepreneurship. So this is being an entrepreneur within what they teach. So I'm like, this is sweet. It's in San Diego, an amazing city. Hmm. I get, to get out of Michigan, no more winners. Uh, and they're going to pay me while I learn how to build my multi or my real estate investing business. So I, I make the leap, take it over there. And I've never done a fix and flip. I've never done a wholesale. Uh, I've never done you know, much in the single family space other than rentals. So while I'm there, what I ended up doing was, was climbing the corporate ladder instead. I got very caught up into that. And very soon in, what I realized was I was climbing the wrong ladder. So I hit a point where I had a strong six-figure income, uh, and I was working 70 hours a week, and it was a high-stress, high-pressure job. And at the time, it was, you know, it was very hard on me. I worked the way a girlfriend I had that I, I really, really loved, and there was no next step for promotion. So it's, hmm. 
be in your mid twenties and kind of topped out like that is a very scary thing. And it left me looking for more. So a good friend of mine, uh, Dylan Marma, as many of you may know, uh, we were looking at what can we do? So at this point we were in a sales role in this education company and we asked, you know, what could we do that has it with our skill set? So we said, Hey, let's do sales training and offer this to other companies. So we did what we knew best. We, we looked for a mentor in the space that was someone that could give us advice on that. And then that's when Dylan reached out to Grant Cardone, as everyone knows who he is. And he actually invested $7,500 for one hour, one-on-one, flew to Miami and spent an hour with Grant. Now, Grant said, you know, the key takeaway there was, hey, son, at your age, if I could redo things, I would go into multifamily real estate instead of sales training. He's like, if I were to do that, I'd be a billionaire instead of a millionaire, but the only question is how many times over? So that's a very bold statement, and, but Grant's got the net worth to back it up, right? He's, he's clearly doing very well. And then Dylan flies back to San Diego, all excited about multifamily. And then we met <laughs> with the owner of the education company we were with there, and same thing, independently, this guy said, hey, I wish I would have skipped residential and went straight to commercial. So at this point, we had two, uh, we'll say at least eight or nine figure net worth individuals saying this is the path to go. So we were all in. And you were working in the residential education space, this, the, more or less the single family residential space, right? At that point? Correct. And I, I was using, so what I was doing at that point is working really hard and I was acquiring uh, rentals. Yeah. Uh, so I would save up like 30 grand and add a couple hundred dollars in, in income to my, uh, you know, to my portfolio, but it would have taken forever yeah. to become financially free at that point. So, so walk us through what was the, the next step for you guys as far as that journey toward multifamily? So all in, at this point I, I went to podcasts and YouTube university, I call it, right? So <laughs> you know, consuming all the podcasts and multifamily I could find, watching YouTube videos, reading books, you know, Dave Lindahl's Emerging Markets, Multifamily Millions. And then my boss's boss's boss had Jake and Gino's book on his desk, Wheelbarrow Profits. And if it was good enough for him, it was good enough for me. So I ordered the book, I read it, and then we shared it with Dylan. And at this point, Dylan had actually reached out to the guys and said, hey, Jake, Gino, listen, I, I love what you guys are doing. I'm very skilled in the area of real estate investing education. I would love to take the leap, work with you guys, help you build up your real estate investing education side of the business. All I ask is you teach me how to invest. Well, at the time they weren't really looking at taking someone on, so they turned him down. Now, Dylan was committed to getting into multifamily. So he walked away from his position in San Diego. It's not the best market for multifamily. And he moved to Atlanta, Georgia, what we call an emerging market, to be full-time, boots on the ground, and really commit to make this happen. Well, a few months later, these guys reach back out and they say, hey, Dylan, you know, we're looking at taking someone on. Are you still available? And he's like, ah, I can't do it, but I know someone who'd be a good fit. And he puts them in touch with me. Now, this kind of put me at a really big crossroad in my life. So I have this position where I'm doing very well. I have a strong six-figure income. And you know, what I have is an opportunity to go take you know, a small pay cut on the, on the front end and then go take the, the ability to go build my business and work with these guys, right? And start scaling into the multifamily real estate space. So that was a really big decision because it was like, look, I, you know, where am I gonna find something with the income I'm at or do I take this chance? And reflecting on that decision, one of the scariest things was the certainty of outcome if I stayed in California and San Diego, right? There was no promotions available or, or scaling the company up past where I was at. 
uh, taxes were incredibly high, so was the cost of living, and it would have been very much so a decade before I would have been financially free, and that 70-hour grind was scary. So that certainty of the outcome there was scarier than for me to take a chance and go try to work with these guys and build my business. Yeah. So March 6, 2018 is when I took the leap. I moved from San Diego to Florida, St. Augustine, Florida, where Gina lives. Um, and, and, you know, it, it was a, a good time, right? But I think it really hit me when I, when I got my first paycheck. And I realized it was a lot less than I had previously been making. And now all of a sudden, I started getting really nervous, I'll be honest. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, I, I messed up. What am I going to do here? And for me, I called Dylan Marmo, who lives in Atlanta, so about six hours north of where I was at in Florida. And he's like, dude, you're freaking out. So he drove down because I, I, I thought I messed up, right? I thought I made a bad mistake yeah. in life. Oh, it is a big decision. I mean, to be able to give up something that's safe and secure and, and six-figure income. Um, but you're, like you said, you're pursuing your passion. You're pursuing your financial freedom and what you think has, a, has more upside. Yeah, absolutely. More opportunity in the long run. So Dylan drove down and stayed the week with me. And that week was right before Easter. And Gino, just meeting Dylan for the first time and barely knowing me, invited both Dylan and myself over for Easter dinner with him and his family. And as you know, Gino's a very big family man. He's got six kids. Uh, and at that moment, I knew he cared for me and I could trust him. And then I went all in. That's amazing. So it sounds like you really you you took that kind of leap of faith on yourself and on the new opportunity because you knew that yes it was going to push you out of your comfort zone yes it was going to be something different and you didn't quite know what the outcome was going to be like but then again you didn't really know what the outcome was going to be like at your other position either and it sounded like you were kind of hitting a ceiling there as well yeah, absolutely. You know, what I knew that I could control is like you said, I was putting a bet on myself and those are yeah. factors that I can control and that I knew that I had the skill set to be able to add value to these guys and yeah. they had the same skill set that I was looking for, right? So I was able to say, all right, they have the results I want. Do I know, like, and trust these guys and are they good humans, right? Do they have ethics and integrity? And being able to check those boxes, I made the leap. So that brings up a great question. If, if, you know, I, I asked that this personally because I'm going through it right now with the hiring process of like, I want to find A players like yourself. Like, I want to find A players that are, that are going to be invested and want to go into a, a startup environment, but they know it's high growth, high mental growth and financial growth. Um, how, how as business owners and our listeners on the show right now, how can they attract top tier talent like yourself that is looking for that entrepreneurial role, but also being able to invest in multifamily. Ooh, that's great. So I think it comes down to one word, culture. And I think culture is key. And for me, what I saw was a culture that liked to work hard and play hard as well, that was centered around personal development and personal growth. And yeah. honestly, that type of behavior was not only rewarded, but it was it was strongly encouraged. And actually one thing that my previous company did that I'll share that I thought was genius is they had, so we worked really long hours and we would have a warm up at 8.30 in the morning and you didn't really have to be there till nine or it may have been at 8 a.m. I don't remember specifically offhand. And this warm up was just training, right? So you're always spending time sharpening the saw and bettering your skills. 
And every once in a while, instead of a training they would have in the morning, which was optional, they would have what we called the dice game. So it was a game of left, center, right. And so everybody would get $3 bills and then whoever would win at the end, uh, they would end up keeping that money. So randomly, you would never know when it's going to be. Uh, you'd pop up and, and somebody would win $60, $70. And you'd be hmm. like, holy crap. Like they, they would incentivize these things. And they yeah. had a system built out to really reward top performers in the company and just a culture built around growth. So that to me, you know, I, I'm going to say it, it one, I, I had this intangible hunger, but it transformed me as a human. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's that a culture of like, if you're all, you know, pushing for that growth, you're pushing for how can we constantly get better, sharpen the saw, like you said, and have fun with it. Like, I, I think that's one thing I applaud Jake and Gino and, and your team um, is that you guys make it fun. You guys are, are laid back people and you like to have fun and also help other people and, and bring people up, like pull people up as you guys grow yourselves. Evan, I love that. You hit a key point there. A rising tide raises all ships. And, and really, I think another one as well is having core values. So some companies like to have rules, right? And, and rules are, are boring and rules are, they're not flexible. But if you have core values, those are guiding principles that you can apply to each and every decision. And I really think it makes it easy to, you should have them in your life, right? To live by and then to operate as a company by as well. So I think that's a, a very key thing. And then a very clear mission statement as well that people can get behind it and are excited about. Um, and I, I think these are things that represent the culture of the company as well. I love it. So give our listeners a little bit of background on your role um, within the Jake and Gino community. Yeah, love it. So let's let's give some context to where I came from. Uh, in the education company I was at, they did multiple nine figures a year in revenue, and they were one of the biggest ones in the single family home side. And I was very fortunate to see what success looks like and what transforms the lives of students and also have a, a culture that was, was very well built out too. So what I did is I took that and also some ideas that I thought we could do better, and I brought that here. So when I was first here, uh, the training center we had, it, it was good. And it was a Facebook group, but my goal was to be the white service or white glove service of multifamily investing. So I wanted to create an ecosystem, an ecosphere where a student, they put in the work, they had everything needed to be able to create success. And what I chase in my life is really impact. So what we've done here is, is built out a, a system where it's almost like a franchise-like model and Ecosphere has everything they need to be able to help students succeed. So the best way to kind of describe it, Gina would be like more the CEO. I'd be probably like a COO on here. Uh, whereas we're growing and scaling at helping with those decisions, bringing on new talent. Uh, and then also I play the role of community director. So one thing we do as well, when we bring new students on board, uh, we have an interview process. So we want to make sure it's a good fit both ways. They've done research and due diligence on us. And also we're comfortable and confident in them. Entrepreneurship, we don't believe it's meant for everyone and it is hard. And when we bring a student on board, that's our really our, you know, our brand that's on the line and that's our name. And so we want to make sure just like they have belief in us, we have belief in them because that's a true win-win. Um, and those are students that we know they can help, right? That are coachable, committed to their goals, ready to take action now. Um, and that's, that's what we look for. And those are the students we help. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and I can personally say that you are a student of your craft and, and you really have honed in exactly what you're good at and becoming the best at that um, and honing in on your strengths. Um, how can, um, two questions. First one will be, how can, 
uh, our listeners hone in on their strengths and get clear and, you know, vividly clear on their strengths and how to double down on that like you have? Oh man, that, that's a really great question. So what I think is you find someone who's the best at that craft and then learn from them. There's ultimately very free ways to do that. A lot of people put out free content and you can consume that. I'm sure they have a YouTube podcast, things like that. Uh, and then you could go, the next step of that would be getting their book. Uh, a lot of key players in whatever industry publish books on, on how they do what they do. So you always study it, but studying it's one thing, right? As you know, it's everyone knows they shouldn't go back to that third slice of pizza, but just having the knowledge doesn't mean you're going to manifest the results. You have to practice it as well. So you have to you know, continually be sharpening the saw and, and mastering those skills to be able to be proficient in demonstration of them. Um, and then that's, I think that's a, a really good recipe for success. What, what, if you had to boil down, do you think are your top strengths? Uh, I, I think to my core, I, I'm definitely an extrovert, right? So I, I love people and, and I really love helping people. Um, and, then, and then when it comes down to it too, I think it's core principles, right? I, I really value the fact that, you know, this is my name and you get one life and this is your best shot. And then I, I yeah. think it's that you can always do better, right? So I, I think mistakes are okay, but just not to make the same mistake twice and realizing that if I could be, you know, you don't have to go for perfection, but slow progress and improvement. And that continuously compounds and gets you better day in and day out. And when you realize that and you can look back, right, you don't reflect on, you know, am I that much better than yesterday? It's slow progress. But if you can look back two, three years and continuously be committed um, and, and show up consistently, I, I think that's when you really make progress. So I think it's just that intangible hunger as well. Uh, and that's led me to being able to push through adversity because it's not if you're going to hit it, it's when. Um, yeah. And that's always going to lead you to come out stronger on the other side. And I think you hit the nail on the head of that, that attitude and mindset of, you know, it's not if, but when. It's doing whatever it takes. It's putting in the work day in, day out. It's knowing that you're, you're working now for something bigger later. Um, and having that growth mentality and constantly getting better mentality is what really separates those that really do achieve their goals, achieve massive success, achieve massive impact on others and helping others. Um, that's what they're all kind of cut from the same cloth. Wow, Evan, I, I think there's some important things that we really got to tease out of what you just said. So growth mindset, absolutely. And one thing I even noticed with, and you should look at this in your mentors, right? So we had a, a money mixer in Nashville and we, you were there with us. Uh, we toured a operator who had about 3000 units, some of his deals, and he was vertically integrated. He had self-management as well. And I noticed that Jake even had some takeaways and some things he could implement in there as well. And those of you who don't know, Jake Stenziano, my, one of my mentors has just over a hundred million dollar real estate portfolio, loan brokerage, property management arm, the education arm as well. And in my mind at the age of 37, he's created a lot of success in his life and even him with that success very radically open-minded and realize he still has more to learn um, and I, I think keeping that growth mindset no matter how high you climb up the ladder uh, is very important and critical to continuing to scale up as well so what would you say gets you just like absolutely excited day in day out about what you do Love it. At a high level, it's my discipline and dedication to my goals is what, where my happiness is derived from. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously a lot of big milestones along the way, right? So there's, there's big ones that you can check off and celebrate. 
Uh, so for me, I mean, closing on my, my first apartment complex, that was a really big win in my life. Seeing students crush it in deals, there's nothing that excites me more than that. Knowing that the blood, sweat, and tears that we've poured into this program is, is positively impacting people. And if you really think about it, we're not Coca-Cola. We don't sell sugar water. What we sell is, is financial education. And in my opinion, there's a real lack of that out in this world. And that's why a lot of people are in trouble. So when you can see something like that, and maybe their friends and family are investing with them, and they're able to help them as well, and they're creating generational wealth that's going to change the outcome of their life and impact their kids. Uh, I, I really don't think there's anything more gratifying than that. And it just encourages me to work even harder, uh, knowing that I have a fiduciary responsibility to the students that we work with. That's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think um, you know, you can see what you all do is, is you're really helping uh, individuals and families learn about multifamily investing, understand what they're doing, take advantage of um, your all system and your network and your teaching and your learning and your community um, and use that to their benefit so they can become either financially free or have passive income and utilize multifamily investing as a tool for them to live their best life. And not only that, but to have the impact that they want, free up the time, you know, so that they can have even more impact. It just has this like ripple effect across their whole life. Yeah. Well said. I couldn't agree anymore. So as far as, um, as far as, you know, Josh, five, 10 years from now, like big, hairy, audacious goals, what, what's on your mind? Uh, love it. So obviously, you know, if you're looking five, 10 years from now, I want to be able to have, you know, enough passive income and built out enough systems in this company where I, I'm able to be the kindergarten room dad, right? Where I'm able to coach my kids little league games and I don't have a wife or kids now. Uh, I want to be able to travel and see the world. You know, another big thing I want to do is the new Corvette that came out. I'd love to buy that for my dad. He's done so much for me. Um, and I, I know that, you know, as he's aging, his time on this earth is limited. So these are things that, you know, while they're probably most important to me, right, is not getting a, a flashy, you know, flashy car. I don't want a Lamborghini in the driveway or anything like that. And it's not that there's anything wrong with having nice cars. It's just what's most important to me is being able to spend the time that I want with those that I care about. Um, investing in the next generation of, of my kid, right? And knowing that I'm not having a TV raise them and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And as far as, um, you know, your, what, what's going on right now, you know, COVID-19, coronavirus, uh, a lot of uncertainty. How, how have you adjusted to that and how have you faced that head on? Yeah, so it's definitely a real thing, right? You have to acknowledge it, and it's definitely going to have a slowdown and effect on revenue in, in most businesses and, and a lot of uncertainty in the future as well. So one thing we've done is initially try to get really lean, right? So you want to make sure that you're set up to survive this. Um, and then with that slowdown, it also brings opportunity opportunity to work on the systems of the business, right? So this is time where instead of working in it, you can work on the business to continuously improve and always get better. And then with all these companies laying people off, there's a lot of A players and talent that are out there floating around that you could easily pick up and offer opportunity to. Yeah. Um, and then really just evaluating, right? The business, the model, where the inefficiencies at, how can you grow better? It's very easy when times are very good to get a little bit more, you know, spend a little more here and there and not really realize it. Uh, but at the same time, if you can cut out some non-essentials without sacrificing service that you deliver, uh, this is something to just make the business even more resilient and come out stronger on the other side and even possibly gain market share in whatever you do. 
So you mentioned before we, we jumped on um, talking about doing uh, documenting and delegating. Uh, can you give us like an example that you're working on or, or something that you're going to be working on in that path? Love it. Yeah. And this is a, a really great question. So initially when you, when you look at the progress of a company, if it's something like the e-myth, right? You start out as a technician, you go to the manager and then eventually the entrepreneur. So if you look at an organizational chart very early on in a small company, it's every single role, usually the, the owner of it plays. And then what, what you realize is that you can find people that can do it better than you and they master that skill. So a hire we just had, we just hired Gino's brother. He just sold the restaurant, Marco, and he moved to Florida. And we're hiring him as our student success specialist. So previously, I had played the role of, of customer support, basically making sure our students are having a smooth experience, answering questions, ensuring they're attending events. And what we're doing is, so I, I did it, now we're documenting it, right? So as I go through, I'm step by step by step writing it out with Marco, looking for inefficiencies in the process and way it could be better. And then what we're doing is doing the system together. So I'm gonna, he's gonna observe me doing it, and then he's gonna go through practice runs, and then I'm gonna watch him implement it, and then eventually hand the torch off, and he's gonna take that role full time, run with it, have more time to dedicate it, and probably deliver at a higher level than I even could. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of business owners, especially solopreneurs or those getting started or, or you know, entrepreneurs that like to wear a lot of hats, I think they forget that, you know, like you mentioned earlier, like minimum um, MWA, minimum wage activity, you know, if that, if that's something that you're using your time with, you need to figure out a way to delegate that and to document and delegate that to somebody else. Um, because there's just the opportunity cost of your time could be spent on thinking globally about the broad vision and the strategy of the business, the culture, like you said, to attract the top talent and putting in the work where that gets the biggest ROI on your time instead of cutting the grass or, you know, putting a yard sign out, whatever it is, like that is where your time should be going. I love that. And I really think that should be expanded on let's, I mean, that's a point that me growing up with a middle-class mindset, it really took a lot to get through my head. And so let's picture and imagine your time in the business is just worth a hundred an hour. We'll make up a number there. And let's say you can hire someone to cut the grass and you can pay them 15 an hour. Well, let's say it takes an hour to cut the lawn. All of a sudden, if you can take that hour um, and, and that's really worth, a way you, you can work one hour in your business. And at that point you can pay for many hours of the grass getting cut. So in essence, you just freed up time uh, for you to do more in your business, make more money. And, and if you really want to take a deep dive into this, time is our most valuable asset. That's the one resource that you, I, and everybody listening to this can't get any more of. It's all ending one second at a time. You want more money? Go get it. You want apartments? Go get it. You can have unlimited of them, but you want more time? Sorry, no can do. So those that really understand that and value their time, um, I think it's a, a really good opportunity where initially I was plagued by what I call the middle-class mindset where I was stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. And that was a, a real hard lesson to unlearn and then relearn what those that I saw that had great success were doing. So what, what would you say as far as, um, you know, a way that, that people can, can get started? Like you gave the example of the, of, you know, hiring out the, the grass cutter or whatever lower position there is. Um, do you have examples of, of how you guys have implemented that in your business? 
Yeah, it's a, so one of the easiest and lowest hanging fruits is virtual assistants. They're, they're cost next to nothing and they can take a lot of the mundane activities off your plate. Uh, there is, you know, one of the, I guess, the barriers to entry that most people don't go through to do this is initially you do have to spend a little bit more time to train these people up. So be aware of that. But after that time and they're built up and taking that stuff off your plate, it only gets easier. easier. It's like a breath of fresh air. Uh, so if an initial thing to yeah. do was something like that, 100%. And we have VAs that create infographics for our stuff, right? Rather than me trying to be a graphic artist and pull stuff together, we can send it over, have a post, you know, run our social media. Uh, there's a lot of tasks that VAs can do that can really help you out and, and multiply your time. Yeah, that's a great example. And I think um, like what we do with Monumental, we have you know, the majority of my time is spent just connecting with guests and then preparing for the interview and then running this actual interview. The rest behind the scenes are all basically done by VAs in Serbia and I think the Philippines. You know, it's powerful to have that help in doing the editing, doing the posting, doing the, the um, basically the detail, the description, all that, that's done by somebody else. And to your point, I mean, same thing within real estate. I mean, you can have people um, do the initial underwrite on a deal. You can have people even help you do market research. You know, there's so many tasks that there are experts at that. There are people that love to do that and, and maybe willing to charge a lot less than your hour is worth. Boom. Well said. Love it. Um, so as far as, as far as where, where you guys are heading throughout this, you know, sharpening your saw, um, coming out the other side of this COVID-19, um, where do you see the opportunity for for multifamily investors and really entrepreneurs in general? Yeah, this is a really good question, right? I think it's Robert Kiyosaki that said, buy fear, sell greed, right? If you look back three, four months ago, a lot of people are saying, hey, there's no deals out there. Cap rates are continue to compress. Uh, everything's over expensive. Well, now with this opportunity here, there, there's going to be cap rates that decompress, right? There's going to be people that are over levered and they're going to be forced to sell. And so there's going to be opportunity. But here's the thing, you have to prepare for the opportunity to be able to take advantage of it. And I really think those that see this as a time to set themselves up, so they're not in a position where a downturn like this is going to affect them significantly right and it's it's hurting everyone to some degree but not catastrophically uh they're gonna they're gonna go against that fear right there's a reason it's the 99 percent and the one percent right because it's it's they're taking advantage of opportunity uh if you even look back right jake and gino's story they started in 2013 the market wasn't absolutely the best then and financing was a lot harder interest rates were higher um, all the way to, you know, a few months ago, it was incredibly easy to get loans, things like that. So I, I think to take advantage of it, the first thing I would do is go ahead and get educated, right? Whether it's a mentor, read books, uh, but then you got to implement it, right? That knowledge alone isn't going to manifest the results. And massive action is definitely the one way to, to get it done. I would form an accountability group with someone, have someone to hold you accountable to taking action. I would network with like-minded individuals and then continue to relentlessly implement. You're going to make mistakes along the way. Accept it. Know this is a long game and it doesn't happen overnight. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And stick with it. Keep making it happen. And then it's not if you're going to be successful, it's when. Boom. Mic drop. I love it. That's awesome, man. Guys, rewind that right now. Just rewind what he said the last like 45 seconds because uh, that's really like step by step. That's what everybody should be implementing 
to massively grow themselves, their business, their mindset, and take it to the next level of where they really want to be and, and be proactive and not reactive with what's going on around them and know that you can't control the entire economy, but you can control how you, um, how you control your actions and the action that you take and being able to be on the massive action scale instead of, you know, reactive and, and reactionary and retracting from all of this. Um, so it's like you said, not if, but when. Boom. Yeah. Very well said right there, by the way, I agree 100%. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Josh, we could, we could keep going on and on, but let's jump into our monumental questions. Let's do it. You ready? All right. Uh, what does success mean to you? Yeah. So how I define success is doing what I want, when I want with who I want, right? I, I don't want to not work or things like that. This is a lot of where my purpose comes from, but I'm, again, I'm doing what I want with who I want, when I want. And that's how I define success. Love it. Um, what about daily habits or morning rituals? Ooh, love it. I definitely think waking up early in the morning, right? One thing, and I learned this a lot in college, actually, when going out and partying, nothing really productive happened at night. So when I had forced myself to go to bed early and then, or then wake up early, uh, there was a lot more time before the day and the chaos started. So with that, I, I wake up, I work out, um, and then I really get time to, to work on me before I get into the office and, and I'm bombarded with inbound activities. Love it. Um, and how about book you're currently reading or your favorite book? Yeah. So right now I'm currently revisiting the seven habits of highly successful people. And just like during the slowdown in the business, working on that, I'm using this time to get back to the basics and the fundamentals that in me and my life as well. Uh, a lot of times as an entrepreneur, you know, and someone like yourself, Evan, we, we try to take on a lot. And some of those habits that got you to the success level that you have, it can go to the wayside, right? But it's very key and you need them even more the higher you go. Uh, so I'm using that book to ensure that I'm being a very effective, right? That book has a complete recipe to be a very effective human. Uh, so revisiting that book currently. Yeah, I love it. Um, we just got, I actually just got a book in today. Uh, very timely with everything going on. It's mastering the market cycle. Um, so it, it goes back to what you're saying. It's like, you got to educate yourself, self-development learning is going to help you make better decisions. Yes. hundred percent. Um, so Josh, as always tremendous value, amazing value to our listeners. Um, how can our listeners follow you, reach out to you, connect with you? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple different ways. One is Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is jrusen23. That's J-R-O-O-S-E-N 23. Uh, or feel free to email me. It's josh at jakeandgino.com. Uh, I'd be more than happy to connect with anyone and add any value that I can. And guys, take him up on that. Josh is full of value. He's going to basically you know, figure out a way that he can add massive value. If he, he can, he'll find 10 other people that can. Uh, he's a connector and includer and he really helps people grow. Um, so I applaud you, Josh. I appreciate everything you're doing. And guys, if you are listening right now, you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to tag Josh, tag myself, share it on social media. Let us know you're listening. Let us know what part of the episode you enjoyed the most and where you got value. And do not forget to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening right now. And guys, with that, have a monumental day. Yeah.